Well, good morning, and thanks for getting together with me. Our first virtual worship service is behind us, and it appears to have been a great success. As of Thursday, that service had been viewed over 2,600 times. I know what you're thinking. Ronnie, I, I didn't know that many people attended Golden Corner Church. Well, they don't. <laughs> we had a lot of first-time guests who joined with us in our worship service last week, and I'm betting that we've got some more first-time guests joining us this morning. If so, thank you for stopping by. This pandemic isn't going to last forever, and when it's over, we are really looking forward to meeting you. Now, next Sunday, April 5th, we will worship together virtually once again, and I'm guessing that it's going to be this way for a while. But that's okay, because we got a game plan. For those of you who watched the service last week, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Our goal is that we grow stronger in our faith personally, and that we grow stronger as a church during this time of virtual worship and social distancing. And that can happen if we follow the game plan. Last week, some of you did. You got in the Bible, you got on your knees, you stayed connected, and believe me, you stood out. I bet you that you're observing a sacred Sunday morning right now. Now, some of you didn't, and I'm not here to berate you or try to make you feel guilty, but I cannot emphasize strongly enough the importance of you following the game plan. So if you didn't start, start this week. This morning, I want to share a simple sermon with you entitled Hard Lessons. Life isn't always easy, is it? Sometimes life gets rough. Why is that? Uh, this morning, I want to tell you a story that's found in the Bible, uh, not just one book or, nor two books, but three books. It's found in Matthew, Mark, and John. And in this story, I believe I find an answer to the question, why does life occasionally get rough? Here's the story. Maybe I would be more accurate in saying, here are the stories, because I'm actually telling you two stories that are very closely connected. Jesus had taken his 12 disciples on a much needed vacation. Wouldn't you know it, word got out and thousands of people converged upon Jesus, all of them wanting something from him. Jesus being compassionate, took his vacation time, and began to minister to them. His men, however, his 12 disciples, weren't nearly as compassionate. And so toward the end of the day, they came to Jesus and said, you need to send these people away. There's probably enough time left in the day that they could get to surrounding villages or towns and get themselves something to eat. Jesus surprised him when he looked at him and he said, oh, they don't need to do that. You feed them. Well, immediately these men began to offer up all kinds of excuses uh, as to why that could never happen. Jesus asked them, guys, 
What do you got on hand? Well, out of all these thousands of people, there were probably between 15, 25,000 people. One person had a lunch. There was a kid there who brought his lunch. It was essentially five biscuits and a couple of sardine-sized fish. Jesus said, you know what? Bring it to me. Brought him the kid's lunch. The Bible said Jesus looked up into the heavens and he thanked God for it. Then he blessed it. Then he started to break it. He, he apparently turned to one of the disciples. Maybe it was John. I don't know. He said, John, grab a basket. Come over here to me. And he starts breaking the bread and he's breaking the bread. Then he starts breaking the fish until the next thing. He had mounded up bread and fish in a basket. And he said, now, John, you see those people over there, that little grassy spot? Go over there and feed them. Okay, James, you're next. Grab a basket, come over here. Same thing with James. Peter, come over here. Matthew, he, all 12 disciples got involved. And apparently as they would empty one basket, they would just come back to Jesus and he'd refill it. Go get that group, go get there. Next thing you know, Jesus had taken this one kid's lunch and he fed and filled 5,000 men plus their families. Then Jesus looked at his 12 guys and said, gather up what's left. They gathered up, gathered up 12 baskets full of the fragments, which means they had more left over than they started with. And then Jesus looked at his 12 men and said, now guys, here's what I want you to do. We left our boat down there on the shore of, sea, of the Sea of Galilee. Go get in the boat and start to the other side. They must have offered a little bit of resistance because the Bible said Jesus insisted that they do this. Guys... I'm not going to negotiate. I'm not going to argue with you. Go get in the boat and go across the Sea of Galilee. I'm going to go back and dismiss the people. So they obviously went down to the shore. Jesus went back, thanked the people for coming. I'm sure he said, maybe we can get together and do this again sometime. And then Jesus went up to the top of a mountain. And there, when darkness fell, the Bible said Jesus was praying. I think the guys must have lingered around the shore waiting on Jesus. And on the edge of the night, they realized he's not coming. So at last, they got in their boat and they started rowing across the Sea of Galilee. I remind you, at least four of these men had a lot of experience on the sea. About three and a half to four miles away from the shore, this strong storm of wind came down upon these men. Out of nowhere, no warning whatsoever, the winds were between 35 and 65 miles an hour. They were in a rowboat on open water. What impact do you think those kind of winds would have upon the sea? Well, the Bible tells us the sea got rough. Now, that's not exactly the way the Bible words it. The Bible said that the sea got very rough. This was, of all things, a headwind. And, and the story tell, is, is told that these men were struggling trying to row into that wind. It tells us, that's the word the Bible uses. it tells us that they were fighting the heavy waves, this was not 
Lake Kiwi on a windy March afternoon. These were heavy waves tossing their boat, pounding them. I know they must have been exhausted. I know that they were frightened. Uh, This wasn't like a South Carolina summer thunderstorm. This storm didn't come in and then dissipate in 30 or 40 minutes. This storm lasted for hours. Now, while they're out there fighting for their lives, what was Jesus doing? Uh, He was sitting on top of a mountain, and and we're told that he was watching them. You need to stop and think about that. Jesus was watching them, and it was the middle of the night. Jesus was watching them, and they were three and a half to four miles away. How could he do that? Uh, Some of you are thinking, well, he must have had an infrared, high-end spotting scope or something like that. No, listen, you know how he did it. Jesus is God. He can do things like that. But not only was he watching them, he was praying. Now, we're not told whom he was praying for, but I think we can read between the lines and, and we can safely assume that he was praying for them. He saw what they were going through. There came a point in the wee hours of the morning where Jesus said, that's enough praying. He came down off the mountain and he went to the aid of his friends. And how did he get there? Oh, it's something he's famous for. In the dead of night, he walked on the water to get to them. He walked across a storm-tossed sea to get to them. He walked three and a half to four miles to get to these men. Well, he showed up, and one of the guys saw him, and he screamed. I got to tell you that what happened next was not one of their prouder moments because when he screamed, the other 11 began to scream and one of them said, that's got to be a ghost. You know, I guess they hated the fact that when God had the word of God pinned down, he included that part of their story. Jesus quickly recognized that his appearance was doing more harm than good. And so he said to these men, don't be afraid. but be courageous. And then he told them, why? Why shouldn't we be afraid and why should we be courageous? He said, I'm here. You got no reason to be afraid. You got every reason to be encouraged because I'm here. He got in the boat with them and when he got in the boat, something crazy happened. The wind stopped blowing. The sea grew calm. Storm ended. And the Bible said, instantly, they looked up and they were on the far shore. Instantly. These men might not have been the brightest uh, bulb in the pack, but they quickly surmised Something about Jesus 
And they declared, truly, you are the son of God. You are who you have always claimed to be. And the Bible said that all 12 of these men began to worship him. Well, did you see it? Did you identify a reason that life sometimes gets rough? Let me tell you what I saw. Let me tell you what I learned. Sometimes life gets rough because we humans insist on learning the hard way. I, I got to say it again. Sometimes life gets rough because we humans insist on learning the hard way. Jesus is always teaching, and he's an exceptional teacher. But we aren't always exceptional students. Therefore, in spite of Jesus' best efforts to teach us, sometimes we just don't get it. Maybe we're distracted. Maybe we're completely disinterested. Maybe we just assume we know it all or at least we know enough. I don't know all the reasons why, but I know that oftentimes we humans make lousy students. There are times when we insist on learning life's lessons the hard way. Uh, I think that's exactly what happened in the story that I just told you. In, in, in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 6, verse 51 and 52, the Bible tells us that when Jesus was feeding these 5,000 men and their families, he was trying to teach these 12 men something. But the Bible is also very clear about this. They didn't get it. It went right over their heads. So you know what Jesus the teacher did? He set up the classroom again. And this time, he included a storm. And this time, they got it. It's amazing how troubles, difficulties, problems, fear, frustration, and exhaustion opened up the minds of these 12 disciples and and made them exceptional students. Jesus is always teaching. When times are good, Jesus is teaching. When blessings are showering down upon us like rain, Jesus is teaching. When our needs are being met in a miraculous and timely fashion, Jesus is teaching. Unfortunately, in the best of times, we seem to be the poorest students. Why is that? Is it because we lose sight of the fact that we need him? Could it be that we just become preoccupied with his blessings? Do we become so self-confident that we stop paying attention to Jesus? I don't know all the reasons why, but I do know this, that Jesus is always teaching. And if he's teaching, but we're not getting it, life is probably going to get rough. Jesus will allow our lives to get stormy. 
And in the context of the storm, we will learn his lessons the hard way. It's amazing how motivated we are to learn when troubles, difficulties, and problems multiply like waves on a stormy sea. It's amazing how quickly we transform into exceptional students when we're exhausted, frustrated, and frightened. Storms get our attention and open up our minds, making us eager to learn. So here's what we've learned today. Sometimes life gets rough because we humans insist on learning the hard way. Now with that in mind, what should we do? Here's what I'm suggesting. We better pay attention. It appears to me that Jesus is trying to teach us something right now. It's stormy in our country. And I don't mean to sound like a prophet of gloom and doom, but there's a good chance that things are going to get worse before they get better. I believe Jesus has been trying to teach us something for a long, long time. But in the midst of our prosperity and ease, we didn't get it. So Jesus is getting our attention and he's motivating us to seriously consider what he is saying. And guys, it's time for us to get it. Ronnie asked, what do you think this great lesson is that Jesus is about to teach us? I think Jesus is trying to teach us what he was trying to teach those 12 men. Jesus was trying to teach them something about himself. He was trying to teach them that I'm not just a teacher or a prophet sent from God. I'm not just another religious leader. I'm not just a good man going about doing good things. He was trying to teach them that he was God. So he revealed his compassion when he fed 5,000 families. And he revealed his faithfulness when he walked into their storm at just the right time with just the right words. He revealed his power by taking the content of a child's lunchbox and multiplying it and feeding 15 to 25,000 people. He revealed his power when he navigated utter darkness and walked across the surface of the sea for almost four miles to rescue his friends. He, he, he revealed his power when he, when he controlled the elements and he calmed the wind and the seas and halted the storm. And if that weren't enough, in an instant, he delivered these men safely to the far shore. Yes, these men were slow to catch on, but on the backside of a storm, they got it. In unison, they proclaimed, truly, you are the Son of God. They had to learn it the hard way, but they learned it. And just as quickly as they learned this lesson, they applied it. The Bible tells us that these men worshiped Jesus Instantly, they rearranged their lives and, and they made Jesus first. And for the rest of their lives, everything revolved around him. They had to look back on this and thank God 
for the lessons learned in that storm. For quite some time, For quite some time, America has been confused about who God is. We've made gods out of just about everything but Jesus. Throughout our good days, I believe Jesus has been whispering, I'm God. I'm God. He's been teaching But I'm not so sure we've been learning. Hence, the arrival of the storm. In the midst of the storm, we're starting to see our gods crumble. For example, one of our gods is certainly money. Making money, spending money, accumulating money have taken center stage in most of our lives. Our faith is in our income, our employer, our business, our investment portfolio, the stock market. Oh, wow. How quickly and easily that God fell. And I got a feeling that over the next few weeks and months, we're going to see more of our God's fall. But against the dark backdrop of this storm, I am sure that we're about to see who Jesus is. He's going to reveal his compassion in how he cares for us. He's going to reveal his faithfulness by showing up time and time again just when we needed him the most. And his power is going to be on full display as he protects us, sustains us, and if need be, rescues us. In the heart of this storm, Jesus is going to be shouting, I am God. I am God. This time, I think we're going to get it. We may learn it the hard way. But on the backside of this storm, I believe we will learn that Jesus and only Jesus is deserving to be our God. I believe that just like those 12 storm-tossed disciples, we will worship him. When this storm ends, we will grieve for those whose lives were lost, but we will humbly bow our heads and give thanks for the lessons learned and the changes brought about by those lessons. Students, clear your desk. Get out a clean sheet of paper. Sharpen those good old yellow number two pencils. Give the teacher your undivided attention and learn. Class is in session. Father in heaven, You are so patient. One of your virtues as a teacher is your incredible patience. But you're teaching us something now that we got to get. 
I'm part of a generation that needs to get this, God. And there's a generation behind me that needs to get it too. Lord, before we watch our gods crumble, I pray that we'll dispose of them. Put you back in your rightful place. And I pray that I'll be part of a culture of people who worship the true God. I pray that we will see very, very clearly that Jesus is God and we'll treat him as such. That's my prayer.